Hello everybody and welcome to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is your regular host, Corporal Hicks, aka Aaron Percival in the real world. And joining me today is my usual partner in crime, Ridgetop. <laughs> Hello again everyone. And I promised last time that we'd be giving you more Predator content and I uh, I keep my promises, you guys know that. So for this next episode, well, this current episode, however you want to uh, describe it, I've got with me Brian Thomas Schmidt and he is the editor slash author of the upcoming, I say upcoming, it's about a month away as of recording, uh, Predator Anthology novel, uh, Predator If It Bleeds. Thank you for joining us today, Brian. My pleasure. Before we do actually start nerding out, you know, talking Predator, I was hoping you could just tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, who you are and a bit of your background in terms of, you know, getting involved with, with writing. Well, I came down to Earth on an alien ship in 1997 <laughs> and blew away Danny. Oh, wait. No, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not supposed to do that in, in character. No, no, no. I'm a weird person. There there you go. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Perfect intro. <laughs> I have been writing since I was, like, in kindergarten. I used to make up my own children's stories, children's books. And it started out as fanfic, basically writing new stories for my favorite children's book, and then continued on. I had some success with screenwriting, went to school for screenwriting in L.A., Worked on that for a while, but never really had anything made. Took a break. Traveled the world to get more life, because the one comment I got was, you need to write less cliche and more unique stuff, so you need to live a little bit more. So I did. And then after that, I uh, got back into writing in 2009 and wrote a novel that I'd wanted to write since I was 15 called The Worker Press, which is the beginning of my space opera saga, the saga of Davi Re. And it was basically my Star Wars. It was Moses beats Star Wars because I borrowed a lot from the Moses story. But I completely depart from the Moses story in a lot of ways as well. But it was a lot of fun. I wrote it to be kind of a family-friendly thing that anybody of all ages could read and I wrote it to have the feel of Star Wars. And people who read it are like, yeah, it's like reading Star Wars with different characters and a different story. And we actually just are going to re- releasing September 27th, The Exodus, which is the third book in that series, finally. Um, that first one came out in 2011, but I did a re-release in 2015 because the publisher got out of business before we finished the series, so we revised it and did new versions. So anyway, that's available, and that was kind of the start of it for me. And then I've done short stories and various things, and somewhere along the way I got invited about 2012 to do an anthology called Space Battles. And space opera and military sci-fi are kind of my first loves, which is why I love Predator and stuff. You know? And so I kind of got into that and did that, and I've, you know, I've kind of learned as I've gone. I, my degrees are in communications. I studied radio and TV film, and then I got a degree in uh, a master's degree in theological studies. So I, I'm kind of I'm kind of a hybrid of a lot of different things. Didn't you mention something about singing off air? Oh, you know, actually, I used to be a singer, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I traveled and did music a lot. I was a worship leader in churches, and I did Christian music on the radio for a while. And then I also have done a lot of other different stuff. Uh, lately, I've been making up kind of milk uh, songs. I haven't ever performed any yet, but I've kind of been having a little fun with it, getting back into it. My writing kind of took over. Mm. So right now I'm based out of Kansas City area, so in the middle of the country. So uh, I love music. I'd like to do a little bit more. But right now I'm so busy with other things, it's kind of taken a back seat. Well, we have something of a tradition on the podcast, and that is we like to hear about how our guests got involved with the franchise that we're discussing. Uh, do you remember the first time you ever came across The Predator, and which of the films is your personal favorite, and why would you say it's your favorite? I came across it in college. We, I went to Carnegie Mellon University, and they used to show movies in one of the big classrooms, and they literally put it on a, a screen that filled the entire wall. 
And I, I'm pretty sure that Predator was one of the films they showed that I had not seen yet. And we got to see them. They weren't, they were like, they were still in theaters and, and they, they weren't like the opening day, but they were like, they were recent. They weren't, you know, they weren't like months later. So I got to see Predator. I'm pretty sure then one of my friends took me and, uh, I enjoyed it. My real connection though is I worked with Danny Glover on a history channel program and I, I was a huge Lethal Weapon fan and, and working with Danny was a thrill. And then, uh, Predator 2 came out. So I, I, I actually am a, you could tell by what I write that Predator 2 is my favorite because my story in the anthology is Predator 2 and I just pitched a sequel book about Harrigan called Harrigan's War to Titan that I'm hoping that Fox and Titan will let me write. It's all about that. So yeah, I'm kind of a Predator 2 fan. There's reasons for that. A big part of it is that I lived in Los Angeles. So I really relate to the whole setting of the movie, but I also really enjoy Danny Glover. So yeah, no, I, I really enjoy Predator 2 myself. I was fortunate enough to meet Danny Glover briefly at Salt Lake Comic Con, and he just seemed like a, a really nice guy. So that's awesome. Yeah, another part of it is just that I think I've seen so many movies where Schwarzenegger is kind of a military commando that Predator doesn't stand out. I forget how how original it was at the time. Whereas you know the Predator Two still has kind of a uniqueness to it. We haven't seen a lot of that. Yeah, there's there's kind I mean, of um, it's it's hard to really put down the tone of Predator Two. I mean, there, it does share a lot of similarities with the first film, but it it was really its own thing as well. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not, and I, I, I don't want people to think, I don't want fans to think that I'm saying Predator is not a good film because I'm not, and I do enjoy it. I'm not putting it down at all. They're just different. They're different films in a lot of ways, and there's something about Predator Two that I really disconnected with. And I like Predator. I like Predator. I just, you know, I, I actually would love to to write more about the Dutch Schaefer character at some point if I ever get a chance to, but. But yeah, I'm definitely um, Predator 2, since you asked. That's not an opinion you hear very often, but no, I, it's nice. I like all three of them equally, to be honest. I mean, they all have their different charms. I couldn't pick a favourite between any of them at all. Predators, it's a good film, too. I enjoyed it. They're all, they are all quite different. And that's one of the things that's good and bad about the franchise, is we're not getting a lot of follow-up on the characters, which a lot of people want. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that when we get to my story. But at the same time, we are getting different films. We aren't getting like a, you know just the same thing redone over and over again. You wouldn't you wouldn't think that from some of the uh, complaints about Predators. I I hate I hate the complaint that it's a remake of Predator because I just don't agree with it. I I think they're similar beats, um, similar story elements, but I I think otherwise they're pretty different. I think they are very different. I I mean they had the jungle setting. They both have the jungle setting, but the the uh, approach to it was completely different. I think, and uh, the predators are in it from the like almost the first minute. It's not it's not like they had to go hunt for the predator and it just showed up. You know, and there's multiple predators. I mean, there's a there's a lot of big differences myself, but yeah. So getting on to uh, onto the book, Brian, how did you actually get involved as the editor of If It Bleeds? I'm assuming there was possibly because of your um, your old anthology as well. That have something to do with it? Yeah, well, I've edited quite a few anthologies. The Predator anthology is like number. 11 out of 12 that I will have edited that will be coming out by the end of this year. So I, I've done a lot and most of them have been from major publishers and I really wanted to break into tie in work, media tie in. I had done one X file, one X file story and one story for a decipher wars game. And I was looking for a property and I said, look, there's a new predator movie coming out and it's the 30th anniversary of the franchise. So I went to Titan and I said, Hey, can I, can I put together a Predator book for you? And they said, well, you can put some proposals together. I said, I don't want to do a novel. I want to do an anthology. 
I want to do a novel eventually, but let me let me try the anthology first. Which, by, by the way, you call it an anthology novel. It's not an anthology novel. It's an anthology, and a novel is a separate thing. A novel is one story by the same author, you know, that runs on its own. An anthology is a collection of stories by multiple authors. So when you call it an anthology novel, I get all confused. I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Fair enough. But anyway, that's okay. No, it's okay. That's okay. You don't know the terminology, but that's that's the difference. But anyway, so Titan. Titan said, go get some authors and see who you can get, and we'll talk to Fox. So I put together a really stellar list of authors, which we'll talk about later, and a proposal for them, and they liked it. They had already bought a huge space opera anthology from me called Infinite Stars, which comes out the same day. And that's, that book is 200, is 600 pages. It's like 260,000 words. Whereas this one is much smaller. This one's about half the size. But they said, you've got great authors. So why don't you go ahead and get the pitches of the stories? If Fox approves them, we'll go. And so we, we all pitched our stories, uh, little three paragraph pitches and Fox signed off, asked for a couple changes and we were off and running. And so that's how I got into it. And I, you know, actually, I became a bigger fan of Predator doing it because I read every single comic, almost every single comic. I wrote, read every single of the old novels and watched all of the movies. I even read the novelizations of the movies. I read, <laughs> I did all that in, in two, three months before my stories came in so that I would be ready to know. And, 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 and to my, to my credit, I will say it worked because I didn't get a whole lot of notes from Fox once we turned in the edit of the book. I kind of knew what the continuity was, and I think we did a pretty good job. You guys will probably tear it apart and prove <laughs> me wrong and show me that I was a complete idiot. But right now, right now, I'm proud of it, and I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> Do you have any uh, personal favorites of the comics that you went through? Boy, that's a tough call. I really liked Nancy Collins' comic that she did. It was kind of interesting and asked some interesting questions about what happened to Schaefer. I enjoyed some of the earlier comics that they did, like with the New York City setting, which, of course, has parallels to Predator 2. There wasn't one that I really didn't like, so I, mean, I kind of liked them all. I don't know what pick a favorite. I do, in the novels, I definitely like Turnabout by Steve Perry. I think that's my favorite one of those. But I enjoyed all of them in different ways. The new the new series that... Uh, the Rage War series by Tim Levin is also really fantastic. I have a small claim to fame with that one. One of the ships is named after me. <laughs> That's right. You got put in there, didn't you? Yeah. It was, although, he did have my ship approaching Weaver's World to destroy it. And I was like, what are you trying to say about fandom here, Tim? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he was protecting himself. <laughs> also, out of curiosity, was uh, Titan already pursuing the Alien Anthology series when you had pitched the Predator one, or...? I don't know. I think I found out about this. Jonathan Mayberry is a good friend of mine, and we are frequent collaborators. And I think I told him about the same time that I was doing the Predator thing as he told me about Alien. But I think Bug Hunt was actually signed. He signed a contract for that first. But, yeah, I don't know. That whole thing just kind of um, happened really close together. So I, I think his came first, but we really kind of talked about it with each other about the same time. And we've got a lot of the same authors to cross over to. And for our listeners who aren't familiar with the anthology, um, the Predator one that's coming, could you give us a brief rundown of the kinds of stories they can expect to see? Sure. It'd be more fun to make Aaron do it since he just read it, but I'll do it for you. <laughs> we have a sequel to the Rage War, well, actually a prequel to the Rage War series by Tim Levin called Devil Dogs. Uh, we have a sequel to Turnabout, which was the Steve Perry novel called Rematch. I did a story with Holly Roberts about Harrigan and Garber that kind of continues the story 20 years later of Predator 2. And 
then I think that was all the sequels we had as far as carried over. Then we have a bunch of original stories. We have a Viking story by S.D. Perry. We've got several stories that are kind of sci-fi set in space by various people. We've got a Civil War story by Jeremy Robinson, a World War One story by Weston Oaks. We've got a Hurricane Katrina story by Peter Wax and David Boop. And then we've got like a Samurai story by Larry Correa, an Old West story, and Sean and McGuire, Mira Grant did a, a, a Great Depression story, I think. So there's a there's a bunch of cool different stories. We have Vietnam, Dayton Ward. So we have a bunch of different stuff. Fox really liked historical stuff. We had to stay away from the Predator. We could not step on anything they were going to be doing. So at the time, because we thought Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be in there, we weren't allowed to touch Dutch Schaefer. So we didn't do anything with any characters from from the original movie because we thought they were doing a sequel. So we had to stay away from that. And I think as a result, we kind of stayed away from from the named Predators, you know, Scar and the various ones that have names, because we weren't sure what was going on with those. So, you know, somebody asked a question I know uh, of me, you know, did we do any of those? No, we did not. And that's because we were, there were restrictions on us from Fox, so we didn't step on their toes with our movie. Now, we also, you know, again, didn't do anything that's an actual prequel to or sequel to The Predator. I am just as clueless as the rest of you as to what's going on. And believe me, I want to know. I actually have Shane Black's private cell phone number in, in, in my phone, and I don't know him. I haven't seen him in years, so I'm like dying to call him, but I haven't called him because I know he wouldn't tell me anyway. He can't. <laughs> I actually have uh, was given uh, I was on the list of people to write the, the novelization for The Predator, but it didn't happen for various reasons. So, uh, you know, that would have been fun. But uh, hope, hopefully, you know, I'm still new as a novelist, so I'm still breaking in. They, they went with one of their more reliable one of their reliable pre-tested people, which I can understand because I've never done a novelization. So I'm really excited about it, though. I can't wait to see it. I They, they pushed it back a little bit, which actually I'm disappointed in one way, but I, I hope that means they're going to make it better. And in another way, I'm excited about it because at the time it was so close to the release of my book that they were really limiting what I could do to promote my book, and now I have a lot more freedom, so I'm kind of happy about that. Ah, bro. bro. And I'm glad to hear they're actually doing a novelization because um... – we, I don't. I don't think we've known if they have been or not. There was that talk of that weird prequel by Chris Golden that never apparently got approved and should never have been announced. Well, I think what happened with that, from what I understand from talking to a couple of people who are in the know, is that that they had to kill it when the Predator got announced because they thought they were using Dutch Schaefer and they didn't want to step on any toes. Right. right, right. So I'm kind of hoping now that Arnold did not do the Predator that maybe they'll bring that back. You know, that would be a really cool thing. Chris is, a, Chris is an excellent writer. He's a very talented guy, and I've worked with him a couple of times, and I would love to see him him do something like that. But, uh, yeah, see, Fox Fox came to my San Diego Comic-Con panel that I did with Jonathan, and the panel was very well received, and Fox was very pleased. We had some nice conversations about doing something. So I think, you know, the, the big problem is they have to balance the movie studio's needs and their desire to control the promotion with the needs of um, of what the the books are are doing. The books are kind of a secondary thing. That's not where they make their money. Yeah, it seems like Fox is paying a lot more attention to the books fitting in with the main media universe. I remember back in the day, the stories were just really more out there. You know, a lot of the older comics and novels were totally something else and it seems like the more recent stuff that's been done has been kind of more in keeping with the films that are coming out at least fox is is 
paying like a closer eye to make sure there's no contradictions or anything. Whereas before, I don't think they were, they didn't care too much if, if an author wanted to go and, and do their own thing that might contradict a film. Right, right, right. Well, that is, uh, that is the, uh, thing about this that is interesting is that see the alien franchise is like the Star Wars. It's like the one that has done the best at the box office. So it's kind of become the big dog. Predator is kind of the secondary one. And my understanding is Cameron didn't even want the two to really be connected in the first place, but Fox, Fox liked the idea because there was such demand and they own both franchises. So they kind of melded them into the same universe. But Predator's kind of been secondary because the movies haven't done quite as well as the Alien franchise, which is why they've done fewer. And, uh, they paid a little less attention to continuity than they should have probably at times, but I think they're getting better about that. We paid attention to it. I wanted to do that because I know as a fan what it's like to have it not make any sense and it's annoying you know it's kind of like okay i'm trying to get into this and you're making me jump you're jumping me out of the third wall because nothing makes sense so you know i was concerned about that's why that's why i I, you know i chose instead of using the hish i chose the yaucha name The, the thing is i had to make that choice because that's what titan was using in their books and so they wanted that and what I what i wanted to do and i will probably do it eventually in my next story is 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 categorized the hish as like the the servant class and the yaucha is the warrior class or something like that. I think there that we've now seen through predators that there are multiple classes of, of of predators. We saw it in some of the books as well. I think there's a way to make both of those be part of the universe. And I'd like to try to come up with a way to do that. I have to do a little more research. But in the meantime, you know, we kind of had to go with what they wanted to go with and they wanted to do Yaucha, so that's what we went with. As far as I'm aware, that's sort of like the one they mainly use for like all the marketing and stuff. And to be honest, they only right. The only reason that John Shirley did the Hish in the first place was because he didn't even know about the Yaucha. Nobody, you know, nobody told him about it when he was doing his novels. Because, like Richard was saying, this this was must have been about ten or so years ago now, and it wasn't it wasn't part of the the Bible, so to speak, that that the writers get to be given. Had they even created that yet? From what I remember, D. H. Press, who were the ones doing the novels at that point, did have a Bible of sorts. Don't know exactly what ah, was okay. in it, but yeah, it obviously wasn't the hitch since uh, it obviously wasn't the outer since John Shirley didn't know about it. And to be honest, that's something that he's been he talked about when he found out about it. You know, was trying to reconcile the two cultures in whatever way. So you know, it might you know it might be something to chat to him about at some point if it is something you want to explore. Yeah, I could talk to him about it. I, he's got a story in this anthology, so why not? That's what I'm saying. A lot of this stuff kind of people invented stuff as they went along because they didn't have the gaps filled in. And then when you try to reconcile it later, it gets a little complicated. It's, it's, uh, there are, there are some of these franchises. They have people that are overlooking them every detail, like Star Wars. They have a huge book of all that info. So every time you write a Star Wars or a Star Trek book, there's like this whole guide you have to follow so that everything tries to have some continuity and makes sense at least until jj abrams comes in and screws it all up <laughs> they, that's the way it's supposed to be but with predator they didn't really have somebody managing that that to that degree and that's because novels are kind of a secondary thing star wars novels have actually become a big part of the success of it they make a lot of money off the novels so they they were they they hired people to manage that and i think fox isn't there yet with predator so that's why uh we get these things but you know what that's okay. We as fans get a chance to contribute and sort it out, right? Yeah, it's half the fun, isn't it? It is. 
so talking about authors, you know, you've you've mentioned um, you've mentioned John Shirley, you've mentioned um, the Perrys. So how do you go about assembling your authors for a book like this? You know, you've got the legendary Perrys in it, and you've got some entirely new names who you know I've not really seen before as a closed-off sort of tie-in fan. So yeah, how how do you make that list? Well, I pick people that I know. I pick people that I like working with. I pick people that are going to turn in stories on time. I pick people that I think are going to require less editing because the time frame that we have on a, a tie-in is much shorter than I would have on a normal anthology. So I, I need stories to be ready to go when they're turned in so I don't have to do a whole lot of work. I can clean them up and help them clarify things, but I don't want to have to do major rewrites because we don't have time to pass it back to the author and do another round. So there are a lot of reasons. Um, I always try to pick for continuity sake for fans. I wanted some authors who'd already written in the predator series. So I found several of those that I could bring in, but then I also wanted some new voices that would bring something new to it and something exciting. We also wanted some authors because of the, they want to sell books. They want authors that are, that are bestsellers that have a huge following. So you have to pick some of those that might not have written for predator, but would be good. And then I wanted to have some new and up-and-coming people that I really like to help them get an opportunity. So those are kind of all the different levels that I used. And then, of course, because I could, I wanted to write my own story. Naturally. Naturally, yes. So you've, you've kind of maybe talk, touched on this a little bit, but um, something that I've always considered The Predator to be is a little bit of a, a versatile franchise. You know, you can take the creature and you can drop it anywhere and pretty much do anything with it and i think if it bleeds is obviously you've mentioned that i've read it so i you know i've got a better understanding of this now but i think if it bleeds is a perfect place you know is a perfect showcase of that versatility and it doesn't just come down to dropping them in a different time zone it doesn't just come down to dropping them against a new person so you know, when when you're looking at those pictures, when you're putting them together, what did you look for to make sure it wasn't a collection of that same formula over and again? It wasn't the Predator. It wasn't Predator over and again. There was difference to it other than just dropping the creature in, you know, the, the Viking Age or the Samurai Age. When I invited authors, I told them, you know, here's, here's some ideas of different things you could explore. And they did pitches. So I had a chance to go through and say, this works. I had a couple pitches. I was like, this doesn't really work. Or this isn't where I want to go. Can we do something different there? And having read all the stuff, I knew what had been done. So that that's the reason I read it all, because I didn't want to repeat anything. I wanted to know what had been done so that I could pick stuff that was new. In a lot of ways, I didn't manage it near as much as you probably think I did, so I got really lucky. My authors were very smart about it. But at the same time, I was prepared to do what I needed to do to, to make it be different. I, I, uh, I really just, you know... I think one of the things about it is, you know, with Predator 2, we saw him, him getting an, uh, uh, an 18th century uh, flintlock handed to him at the end of the movie, Harrigan, Danny Glover's character. The flintlock was a hint that the Predators had been doing this for a long time through history. And so that kind of set up the whole idea that they explored a lot in comics of Predators, you know, being involved in various times through history. And so that really intrigued me. And I thought we could really build up the backstory of all different adventures of the Predators coming back to Earth in a way that hasn't been done. And that would be really, really cool. So I encouraged them, some of them, to look at options of doing some of those kind of stories. And they kind of ran with it. Everybody kind of picked a different time frame when they wanted to do it. And then a few other people did space opera near future, or I mean, 
far future type stories with spaceships and things. So it worked out really well. And then when I was putting together the order of the anthology, it was really easy to break the stories up in a way that it didn't feel like they were they were two similar stories close together. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that 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 not to get sidetracked, but that was one of the issues I had with Bug Hunt was that there was I thought too many of the same sort of um, wedged together, which sort of made some of them a bit indistinguishable in my mind. So. Mm-hmm. When I was reading If It Bleeds, I did. <laughs> it's one of the things I was mentioning in my review when I was writing it, actually, was how all the stories were dissimilar enough from each other as to actually stand out and, and um, you know, make make for a nice flowing read. Well, that's good. Well, and I mean, and I'll look forward to reading your review. Maybury took a different approach, and I enjoyed Bug Hunt, but I think I didn't go into it with a preconception that some people did. People wanted to see the Marines fighting aliens, you know, the xenomorphs. And not every story was about them fighting the xenomorphs. He wanted to do a story about colonial marines. That's what Aliens Bug Hunt was. It was a story, an anthology of colonial marine stories. So not all of them involved the xenomorphs. Whereas I wanted to do a story about predators being fought by humans. So my approach was a little different. So every story of mine was going to have a predator in it. But not every story in Bug Hunt has a xenomorph. And I think some people were disappointed by that, um, which is unfortunate, because I think Jonathan did a good job with that book. And there were a couple editing technical glitches that are not his fault that he gets criticized for, too. There were, were a couple of notes were left into one of the stories and things. And that's that's really unfortunate, because that was that was a production problem. That had nothing to do with Mayberry. But Mayberry, I mean, mistakes happen in publishing. It happens to all of us. It's unfortunate it happened in that book. but. Really, honestly, he did a good job with that book, and I know how hard he worked. And I, so I think it's a little bit different kind of book than this. This is a much more of a traditional what you'd expect when you get a predator anthology than Bug Hunt was. So I'm hoping that it looks like from your reaction that fans will be pretty pleased. I certainly enjoyed it. What, what would you say was the most challenging aspect of working on the anthology if it bleeds? It was challenging to make sure we got the details right, and I'm not sure we did in every way, but I really did try because there's so many different details to reconcile. And the last thing I want is the fans to go, oh, it doesn't work like that. This guy's an idiot. He doesn't know anything. (laughs) You know, that that would suck for me to do that. So I tried. But I have no doubt that a few things slip through here and there that people will, will nail me on, and we will try to do better if we do another one. But I, you know, there's a lot to keep track of, and it's hard to keep all that. Uh, I was editing this while I was editing three other anthologies. So I did five anthologies that all came out this year. So it was a little insane. I was juggling way too much stuff in my head at the time. So <laughs> um, hopefully it's... Uh, People are mostly happy with it. But, yeah, that was probably the hardest part. And on the flip side of that, what would you say was the most rewarding part of working on it? Oh, hell, it was bloody fun, man. It was so much fun to be writing a universe that, you know, I'm a fan of and that I know and, that you know, to be a part of it and to read all these cool new stories. You know, I enjoyed it. I was the first reader. You know, I got to read it for, for, for anybody. So I'm in there going, oh, this is really cool. Yeah, this is cool. Oh, this is what, you know, sometimes I'm like, this is exactly what I thought Larry Correa would do with a samurai story and predator or sometimes i thought holy crap i can't believe wendy wagner did this this is this is different than i expected from her that kind of thing that was really cool and being a fan of all the writers i work with it was a fun thing to do it was also fun to see a sequel to to turn about because i'm a big fan of that novel and i like steve perry's work a lot so it was fun for me to see them do more stories in their in the universe as well so that was fun but the funnest part is going to be i mean it's been a real thrill for me to interact with Aaron 
and the fans on avpgalaxy.net. And it's really been really fun for me to hear Aaron's response to the book because he knows this franchise so well. And to know that, that he's happy, that makes me really happy because that makes like, that means I, I think I did a good job. And that <laughs> is the best part. Good. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad too because you guys don't know this, but while I'm doing this interview, Aaron's holding some kind of a, a, a snap. Sniper rifle pointed right at my face, <laughs> just in case I mess up the question. So I have to keep him pleased. I have to say nice things about him. Well, you know, everybody, uh, everybody likes to think I'm an evil dictator. So you know, I've got to, got to make sure somebody says something nice about me. <laughs> got to keep up, got to keep up your image. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you know what? I just want to say, you know, there's, I think there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a stereotype that fans would rather whinge than enjoy things and as somebody who's spent so so many years you know running this website and, and running it with them with the co-owner and the co-host i would much rather be fucking gushing over things and um you know saying how much i enjoyed something than having a little bitch so it's it's really nice to be able to you know come back to somebody and say that was fucking awesome i enjoyed that thank you well Read. I just want to get I'm that thrilled. Out. Well, and I, I know that's the problem with fandom is it's frustrating and it's also wonderful. You can have moments where you're in sheer joy and just like blown away and other moments where you're just like, freckle, freckle, blah, blah, goddamn, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can. I mean, it's just like I feel that way. I feel that way about the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. Those were not Star Trek. Now, I enjoyed the first one, but after that, I didn't really enjoy them. And I was kind of like, eh, why did we have to redo? Why do we have to screw screw with it? Why do we have to? Why couldn't we just, make, you know, make the yeah. make it again with with a new cast and, and have new wonderful adventures? So, I mean, I, I get that feeling. And I know that when New Next Generation launched, there were a lot of fans of the original series that struggled with that for a while, too. But, you know, I mean, I, I think it happens always in mm. these kind of fandoms, you know. It's funny you mention that. I'm a Trekkie as well. I'm a lifelong Trekkie. With with Discovery coming out, you know, there's a lot of hoo-ha over that. And one of the things that I saw on one of the Facebook groups was a newspaper article about when The Next Generation was coming out. <laughs> and it was going on about how much all the, the Toss fans were fucking bin, uh, bitching about The Next Gen coming out. And it, how it was completely unnecessary and stuff like that. So it's it tickles me to see that that's been a thing about fandom for you know ages and you know before fandom oh, was even a term. Yeah, well, you know, you know what I and I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big Next Generation fan. I love DS9 and I, yeah. I really like Voyager. I think they are better shows. I think they're better written and better acted than um, than Next Generation was. There's some really talented actors on Next Generation. Do not get me wrong, but as I compare them, and I've done a whole. Star Trek series rewatch where I watched them all one episode after another from TOS all the way through Enterprise. And I can tell you that I still think DS9 is the, is the Trek because I think they learned so much from each other over the course of doing it that they improved each show. That's not saying that I, I don't understand why some people are fans of one thing over another, but um, next generation in particular struggled a lot with writing the first three or four seasons. It didn't really click to the last four seasons or so. So I think they kind of fixed that on some of the other shows. Now other people will tell tell, tell me that I'm completely cracked <laughs> and that uh, the Voyager's completely sucks or Enterprise no. sucks or whatever. And I get no. I get that. After, but the reality of it is that's the beauty of fandom is that we all connect with different things mm. and have different things we're excited about. And if you find something that you could be passionate about, that's worth celebrating. Yeah. 
Yeah, and not to get on a Star Trek rant here, but I think one easy way to anger fans is to reboot a franchise that's had decades of people working on stories for it, which is why when Shane Black's film, The Predator, was first announced as a reboot, I was really concerned, and I'm glad uh, Shane came out and clarified that, that it wouldn't contradict anything, and it was more of an unrelated sequel than it was a reboot. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think they, they, they announced it as a reboot because that's the term that Scotch Hollywood always uses when they're trying to... Well, no, what it means is they're going to relaunch the franchise with a new film. That's what it means to them. To the fans, it means you're going to redo and screw up what we love. But to the Hollywood people, it means we're going to put money behind a really new spectacular film that we hope will make this popular again so we can make a lot of money. That's all Hollywood is thinking about when they say reboot. So it's a little different, and so the reaction is a little different. You know, J.J. Abrams came in and did an actual reboot of Star Trek in in the sense of, like, redoing the entire concept and universe. You know, not everybody who does a reboot does that because Hollywood throws that term around in a diff- with a different definition. So, yeah, I was I was curious. I like Shane. I happen to think he's brilliant. He's a hell of a nice guy. He's very good at what he does. And so I was curious, and I'm still curious, what he's going to do with it. Um, he's got a hell of a cast. Hopefully we'll enjoy it. I, you know, it's one of those things. Um, I'd love to see a, a lot more Predator stuff going on. But one of the things I wanted to do with this book was get people excited about the franchise again in a way that would help this film, would give people other stories that get get them all fired up that would actually work with the film to build the franchise. So that's what I'm hoping happens. For a lot of fans, knowing what is considered canon is a big deal. I know that when Bug Hunt came out, the editor, Jonathan Mabry, if I'm pronouncing that correct, Mayberry Uh, Mayberry. said in the intro that some of the shorts contained were canon and some weren't, but he didn't give a list. Could you be specific if any of the shorts in If It Bleeds are considered canon, and if so, which ones? Ah, I don't know. (laughs) The thing is, when you sign a contract for this, you basically are told by um, Fox that nothing is canon until they decide it's canon. So, like, when I did the X-Files story for an anthology, like, last year, we were told that they wouldn't be canon, and then they were made canon. So, I don't know yet which of these stories, if any, are canon. I think that there's a good shot that Harrigan, Her- the Harrigan story will be canon, because it was written and really followed closely to things that would tie it to Predator 2. If the Rage War is canon, that story would surely be canon. I, I think the sequel to Turnabout is likely, but as far as anything else, I don't know. They haven't declared, and I can't officially declare anything canon at this point, so I can't really answer that question. Yeah, it seems with the expanded universe lately, canon has been highly subject to change. Because I know you were saying, Aaron, that Covenant kind of contradicts the Rage Wars a bit. Covenant kind of just upends... Well, it's, it's the implications of Covenant. It, it upends a lot of the expanded universe that's come out over the last two or three years, because they sort of like tried to start off fresh and everything as of Titan's new Alien books were considered canon and everything before it, apart from the films, wasn't. But I've never really been able to find out how they are on the Predator side of things. I've never <laughs> never been able to find somebody who can tell me. Well, I think, I think that Cameron really wanted to shut down the whole expanded universe thing between Predator and Alien, and I think that was, that was it. I haven't seen Prometheus or Alien Covenant yet, so I don't know. I've seen all the other films, but I have not seen those two yet, so I don't know. But I, I hope not, because... I don't want him to. I, I want to keep doing these books, and I I would really love to do an Aliens versus Predator anthology. That would be really cool. 
my my understanding is that Ridley and Shane Black aren't keen on the crossovers, but their own separate things. I guess they're not as fussed with. I think there's there's a bit of a conception that crossovers are cheap, and I suppose in some circumstances I may agree, because to be honest, Alien vs. Predator is pretty much the only one that I really can buy into. I don't really like a lot of the other ones, you know, I've never really enjoyed Batman vs. Predator or Superman vs. Alien, but AVP worked for me, and I'd love to see a, a, an anthology on that. Some of them get kind of ridiculous. I mean, actually... I really wanted to do, and I can't get him to let me do it, but I really want to do Predator versus Terminator versus Planet of the Apes as a, as a, as a <laughs> Just because you remember, remember, remember when you were a kid and you would put your toys and you just dump them out and then you'd start mixing the toys together and having so much fun. And I'm like, the comic book people get to do this. Why can't we, as prose novelists, get to do this? So, to me, it would be, I think it would be fun. But I wouldn't take it seriously as can. It would be a bit tongue-in-cheek. But it, it'd just be interesting to see what people came up with. But, you know, that's the truth. It does get a little bit ridiculous. I mean, what, they had Archie versus Predator or something, too, I think. I mean, Yeah, just, that's a recent one. It's crazy. So, that's to me, that's a money grab. More than it is, you know, anything. You know, I, I don't think those are the serious ones for canon, you know. I think the, the serious ones... AVP, to me, is more of a serious one. There were legitimate reasons why that that could work, as opposed to some of the one where they're just kind of going out on a limb. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's, there's some some properties where they... What is it? Um, it was one of the random AVP crossovers... Um... Shit, I forgot the title of the the comic. It was some of the sort of like superhero we won, Witchblade, maybe something like that, or something cats. Yeah, yeah, it was called Mindhunter. It had Witchblade, Darkness, and Alien and Predator, and it was just ridiculous, but it was awesome at the same time. And uh, apparently, if this is the right one that I'm thinking of, I'm sure one of the listeners will correct me if I'm wrong. But that was considered canon to the other series that was being crossovered with. So, you know, it's all sorts of crazy stuff. Well, you know, it is it is fully possible to do something that's considered canon in one series but doesn't work as canon in another. Now, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the larger world of things, but there are there are different rules in different universes, so sometimes it works in one universe, it just doesn't work in the other. That's why I think when they do these crossovers, it gets a little bit hard to figure it out, and I don't think you should spend a lot of time stressing about whether or not it is or isn't canon. Enjoy it for what it is, and then yeah. go back to the main, the mainline stuff that sticks to the canon, because they're having fun, and they're making money, and they're trying to throw something out there that, that is new, that, that you'll enjoy, but you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. I think we tend to get a bit too worked up over over that word anyway, over canon and stuff like that. I don't I don't know why we need to care. I mean, it's it's something that's more to do with you guys, isn't it? It's to do with what you're allowed to play with and yeah, you know, what to acknowledge and stuff like that. Well, we're we're it it does control what we write, but we're also I mean we're we're beholden to Fox to get the right to do it. So if they tell us these are what you can touch and this is what you can't touch. Then we pretty much have to say, okay, that's what we're gonna do. You know, I don't, I can't really argue with Fox. <laughs> of course not. I, I found them to be very gracious and nice to work with, and they were very kind to me when I talked to them at San Diego. But, you know, they have bigger priorities because this is, like I said, this is a small fish in the big pond as far as what they make money from at this point. Now we could change their mind if everybody goes out and buys this book and makes it a bestseller. You know, we could turn it into something bigger. So if y'all would do that, <laughs> you know. We could we could change some things, but until that happens, unless that happens, 
it's not something that's going to sit up and make them take particular notice because it's such a small amount of income compared to a movie, you know. Yeah. I wish my book would make $56 million, but yeah, no. <laughs> if it made 56000 I'd be happy. I'd be ecstatic if it made 56000 let me tell you. I'm always, <laughs> always curious to how well the sort of books do in terms of, you know, um, the financial stuff because obviously it seems, to, it, it seems to do well enough that people keep, making them and i suppose this is more of a the general sort of tie-in thing as well but like you said earlier you know star wars for that it's a big part of it but not necessarily as for is for alien or predator but obviously it does well enough all the star wars books and many of the star trek books are new york times bestsellers but they're a well-established fiction line that's been going now for two decades mm. now alien and predator the books have not been consistently coming out so they haven't built up a consistent fan base that goes out and buys those books on a regular basis because they don't get a new book every month so the novelizations of movies often hit the list but other books are kind of hit and miss you know um i don't know i don't haven't heard from anybody how how bug hunt did i know it was number one in horror new anthologies for a while on amazon for a couple weeks uh when it first came out the pre-order numbers are looking pretty good for predator if it bleeds so we'll see how it does but you know yeah generally they don't necessarily hit the list i was told that a couple of the no- a couple of the novels might have hit the list but i don't know which ones but yeah generally you know if you're if you sell you're talking about tens of thousands of copies as opposed to you know millions if this book sold five or six thousand copies in the first week, we could hit the New York Times list. But that, you know, that actually could be if we sold 10,000 copies in the life of the book, Titan would be very happy. See, so now they'd like to sell a hell of a lot more. Don't get me wrong, but it's just the numbers are such a different scale than what you ex- what you expect from a movie. Again, naturally. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Uh, you know, I always have these sort of random kind of not quite related, but just in my mind kind of things that I'm always curious about. Well, I'll, I'll, whatever I can share with you, I will. Is hopefully I'm in trouble later for saying any of these things, but I don't think so. I, th- I don't think any of them are secret. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do. I do have one later on for you that I did actually write down. That's kind of random, but yeah, we'll get to that later. Okay. Now going back, you know, on 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 the anthology, um, you've got your own story in that, um, which you wrote with uh, Holly, was it? Holly Roberts, yep. yeah, yeah, um, which is called Drug War. So it's very much a sequel to Predator Two, focusing on Harrigan and Garber. Can you tell us a little bit about the genesis of that short? You know, obviously you've said that Predator Two was your favourite earlier, but it's not it's not exactly a straight sequel is it so you know how did where where did that concept for that um that story come from well the idea was 20 years later where is harrigan where's garber what are they doing and so i decided that harrigan would be a retired cop and garber would be out you know have have left the feds and be selling obnoxious military hardware like the kind that's so over the top that it's almost like it's almost like a joke you're like really this is home defense it's like you know ridiculous weapons right the weapons of the future and i thought it'd be fun if they ran into each other at a at a conference somewhere well because of the stories i got pitched nothing was being done overseas nothing was being done in another culture and i've spent a lot of time in brazil i used to be married to a brazilian and i have spent a lot of time in rio and i like rio and i thought the rio slums the favelas which are the the hillside slums that that spring up unofficially on open land all over the city, those would be a great setting. You saw one in, in Fast Five. The whole opening of the Fast Five movie is set in an actual favela. If anybody ever saw the movie City of God, all that's about a favela. So I wanted that kind of a setting. It was perfect for Predator. 
And so I came up with the idea that they're at a conference and a nearby favela, they see some, some fighting breaking out between drug dealers and some unknown force, and they, they recognize signs that it might be a predator, and, and, and Aragon and Garber go to help, and then we see what happens. And that's where, that's what the story's about, basically. That's a spoiler-free version of it. And so, you know, Garber was kind of a minor character. He was there, but he wasn't the major character. It's mostly about Harrigan and this Brazilian named Fernando, who's kind of a, he wants to be a star. He wants to go to Hollywood and be a star. He's a poor kid growing up in the ghetto, and he kind of helps Harrigan as his guide. The thing about the slums in Rio are literally like you see in, in, in the Fast Five movie and in City of God, they're like a maze of small little sidewalks and corridors and stairs and various things. And trying to find your way through when you don't know it is very difficult. It'd be very easy to get lost, very easy to get in trouble. So it's not that easy to find your way. So having a local guide made sense. So I wrote the Harrigan point of view, and Holly wrote the, the Fernando point of view. And um, and there we have the story. Oh, I really enjoyed that one because I, I really – I thought the tone was just so perfectly Predator 2. I'm glad because I've watched that movie about – six times before I wrote the story. I'm really good at capturing tone when I write, if I do that. I, I've done that with the with the Davi rebooks with Star Wars so that I could get the feel of Star Wars. I did it with the X-Files, and Chris Carter said our story was was really, you know, felt like the show. It was a really good show. Supposedly he said this, <laughs> I've been told. So that, that to me, uh, is exactly what I wanted to do. So I'm glad that you felt that way. So you you did mention earlier that you you were pitching a, a Paragon novel to um, Titan and to Fox. Would that have been a sequel to Drug War, or would that have been? Yeah, it's it's a it's a sequel to Drug War. Drug War is like the prologue of the novel, and then it's what happens after he gets back. And and I can't really tell you anything about it because it's not been approved yet, and we don't even know if I'm going to get to do it. I just I can tell you that that I I've tentatively titled it Paragon's War. That could change. So it's not nothing with it is official yet. So I really can't talk to you about it much. But I, I know I had told you privately about it, and I did mention it a little earlier that I'm kind of hoping to do a Harrigan novel. Um, and from the response we got at San Diego Comic Con, it was very obvious that fans and and on AVP Galaxy that fans want to see the the sequels that follow up some of the characters from the movies. So I thought it was good timing to pitch something like that, and hopefully it'll happen. We'll see. And and on the topic of you know full length novels. Do you think there's room for them to do sort of full-length ones exploring the different time periods, like you know, like some of the shorts in If It Bleeds? You know, the novels have never done that. The comics have touched on it, but there's never been anything really sort of you know substantial in terms of that kind of thing. Actually, I think I, I think they could. I think it'd be great. I think it's just a matter of, of somebody pitching the right idea. Because I can tell you that the response we got back through Titan from Fox when we pitched, when we sent them all the stories was that they loved the historical stuff. So I think Fox would be very open to that. Um, I can't speak for Fox, but, but I know that they responded very positively to it. So I, I kind of get a feeling that they would like that if somebody would just do it. I'd love a film, a period film. I think that would be amazing. I just think that maybe it'd be, they'd view it as too much of a risk. Maybe I there's you know the thing about the thing you have to keep in mind also is budget. Historical films are very expensive. Science fiction films are very expensive. When you combine the two, it's very very expensive. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, for them to do a movie that really accurately captured the Civil War and have all the accurate props and all the accurate stuff and all the special effects with that, and then do a Predator special effects, it's it just gets infinitely more complex. And so. 
Um, it's a question of do they really want to put that kind of money into it? Because, you know, Predator and Predator 2 were made on very small budgets, and Predator was made on a very small budget. I think the Predator is, has the biggest budget they've ever had for a Predator film. Yeah, it was supposed to be part of the appeal of um, Shane Black returning for it. You know, he wanted to make a um, a big deal out of it. He wanted to do an event film, right. as he put it. And in, in fairness, movies now cost a lot more to make than they did when Predator was made. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, with inflation. So yeah, yeah. Uh, there's that's part of it, too. But I think they actually did invest quite a bit more. So I, it's totally viable. It's a question of whether or not uh, they would do it. I think if, if it became popular with fans, there would certainly be a push for it. Because the whole reason that Aliens vs. Predator happened is because there was such demand from fans who wanted to see it. So, you know, you guys decide what you want to see and you never know. <laughs> Just make noise. Let's make noise, guys. <laughs> make noise, make noise. Um, so you said you weren't able to use the character Dutch in the anthology, but was there anything else that you wanted to do with If It Bleeds that you weren't able to? I wanted somebody to do a story about the um, Lawrence Fishburne character from um, Predators. Mm. I thought there was a story about him being alone on that island that would be very, or whatever, the planet or whatever it is, and that stuck in that gladiatorial planet. that would Before, you know, the other people got there, that would be very interesting. Or even how he got there, that would be very interesting to explore. But nobody took me up on that. I pitched that to a couple of my authors and nobody took me up on it. I, I was already doing Harrigan or I would have done it myself. So that, that to me would be very interesting. And maybe if we do another anthology, I'll do that story. Who knows? But that, that, that to me would be worth exploring. I, and I, you know, if, if they'd allowed us to use Dutch, we absolutely would have had a Dutch story in there. I mean, I, I, I'm a typical fan. I like to see what happens with the other characters. If there's really cool characters, uh, uh, there's a character that is a female Japanese character, and I can't remember her name, but S.T. Perry did a couple novels about her with her her, her, her father, Steve, and the final no- novel was called War. Yeah, Meiko Noguchi, Machiko Noguchi, something like that. I really wanted uh, Danielle Perry to do a sequel to that, but she wanted to do the Viking story, which is fine. You really love the Viking I, story, I love so the hey, Viking good for story, yeah. Good for her. But I really wanted to see her explore that character, but she doesn't own that character, so she kind of wanted to do something a little different. But I would love to see somebody carry on that character because that's a fascinating character. They they did yes. some comics, yeah. Um, well, they they wrapped up Mako's uh, Machiko. I'm fucking terrible with name pronunciations because it was it was Randy Stradley that did the comics, wrote the comics, and I think about seven years ago he did a um, he did a series called Three World War that came across very much as as her finishing dealing with the predators and him finishing dealing with writing AVP stuff. I was I actually really yeah. liked it. Not I think there were, a lot of people had a problem with some of the artwork in it, but I I probably one of the few people that really dug that comic. That's one of the ones I didn't read, so I didn't know about that. But yeah, but those are the things that came up off the top of my head that I that we didn't do that I would have liked to have done. Yeah, and they did touch on Nolan's story a bit in that the Predators comic you mentioned, Aaron, that came out around the same time. I was actually a little bummed out that there wasn't a sequel to that. And like you were saying earlier, you know, how Predator films are more self-contained and, and people kind of a desire, I, I would say, well, you said, and I would agree with that people want to see some of the continuation of these characters. And I was hoping we would finally get that with Predators because it, it ended with that open and there was talk of a sequel. So. I did do the. I did see the Noland. Uh, I did read that comic, and uh, I just think there's more that could be done. 
if that story that was done. And so I think that that could be expanded on, take the comic and build from that into the, and we had total permission to do that. We had permission to use any of the Dark Horse comics and uh, previous novels as a basis, as well as the, the movies for anything we wanted to do. So we, we totally could have done that. So I, I certainly would not have stepped on the toes of anything that I, that I knew about uh, on purpose. I would have tried to make everything fit together because I'm big on that. I like to have everything make sense as much as possible. But, you know, some of the stuff is convoluted on its own. I can't fix it. So, yeah. What would you say are the prospects of more anthology books? You you mentioned this earlier as well, that you'd want to maybe do an Alien versus Predator one. Uh, what would you say would be the dream team of authors for that or perhaps another anthology Boy, I, you'd want to do? If I did Aliens versus Predators, I would definitely get Larry Correa and Jonathan Mayberry and Scott Sigler back probably get I'm sure I would get Shauna McGuire I would probably try to get a couple people like David Weber and, and some other military like maybe David Drake I don't know if they would do tie-ins but I'd try to get people like that to do some stuff um, certainly um, Linda Nagata maybe because she's really talented um, I can tell you that if I do a second Predator anthology I've already got the list of people that I would use. I'll tell you what it is, but it's not approved yet, and we don't know that it's even going to happen. I got, I, I tentatively have titled it Eyes of the Demon, which is a line that the voodoo guy says, uh, King Willie says in, in Predator 2, you know, the the eyes of the demon, you know. Yeah, till he come calling. Yeah, come calling. So I, I think that would be a really, really cool title, yeah. If It Bleeds was a title that Titan came up with. Um, I had originally called this Predator the, Hun- the Hunted. Um, and it became If It Bleeds. So I, I, I thought Better Eyes of the Demon would be a great title. I don't know if they'll accept the title. I don't really have a call. But if I do it, I have Stephen Sears, who's one of the producers and writers for Xena. Um, I have Dan, Dan Abnett, who has done a, a graphic novel for Predator. David Farland. Nancy Collins, who did a Predator graphic novel. Scott Stigler. Christy Golden. Michael Jan Friedman and Robert Greenberger, who are Predator novelists, Keith DeCandido, Christopher Golden, uh, Richard Byers, and Yvonne Navarro are all the people. And Lawrence Watt Evans, Nathan Archer will hopefully be back as well yeah. in, in if I do that thing. So those are the people that I have. You know, you mentioned you mentioned um, Nathan Archer when you were doing the first one. I was, I was a little bummed out that it, it didn't end up getting involved because I thought that was on the level of getting the Perrys on board as well. So I'm kind of... I'm, I'm glad to hear that there's prospect for him coming back for another. Lawrence had, and I had a miscommunication on that where he he was misunderstanding some of the feedback from Fox and wasn't sure he wanted to do it and said he didn't. And I got somebody else to fill the spot because I didn't have a lot of time. And he decided again that he wanted to do it a couple of weeks later, but had already filled the slot. So we agreed that he wouldn't be in the first one, but if we did another one, hopefully he'd be able to participate. So I owe him an apology. I'm sorry that happened. Um, I think he's cool about it. I don't think he holds a grudge. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be able to work, work with him. But it was just a timing thing because at the time I just didn't have a whole lot of turnaround time. So if people were not wanting to, to do the changes or were unhappy with the way things worked or hesitant in any way. I don't remember what it was. He wasn't being difficult. He was just being an author and, and deciding that, you know, what he wanted to do. And, 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 and so, um, I'm not, so I don't want to be seen as saying anything bad about him at all. I'm not. It just, for various reasons, we had a miscommunication and I thought he wasn't going to do the book and he ended up doing the book. And then I couldn't put him in the book because I already hired somebody else. That's as much on me as anybody. And so, yeah, I probably shouldn't have told you that before I did it, but I kind of had a private conversation with Aaron just to whet his appetite and let him know what we were doing. So, 
So like I said, anybody that I just mentioned for Eyes of the Demon is is has said they're willing to write a story, but until Titan says they even want to do a book, none of that's going to happen, and all of it could change. So it's not a sure thing. Subject to say change, I'll, I'll stick that on the podcast uh, on the uh, on the post. I I promised you one of those random questions, and here it is because it's something I've always wondered and I've never known who does it. But who the hell writes the about the author's blurb at the back of the books? Do you do them yourselves, or does somebody else do it for you? Uh, the authors send me what they want, and I edit it into a, say, a similar voice, so it all sounds similar. Is that the general way that they, they get done for novels and books and everything? Yes, that's generally the way to do it. I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to answer, because I'm wondering why you brought this up. Are you going to complain no, no. about them or something? No, God, no. It's just, I was reading through them at the end, and you know how some some are have a different sort of voice to them and I was like are they writing that about themselves or is that you know one of their mates who's just knows how quirky they are kind of writing it for yeah. them and that's... no I mean we, we, they write it about themselves or I write it for them uh, based on a draft that they do and make it shorter but yeah it's supposed to be about yourself and you're supposed to mention the highlights you want to mention sometimes I throw in extra things that I think are particularly relevant or whatever, but yeah, mostly they wrote them themselves. That's what they did. So I told you it was a random one. If you asked me for a bio, I could send you one in like 30 seconds because I have several sitting there that are already written. And all I do is, tw- is tweak them for a particular project and send them. We all have the, so most of those, they just kind of just, I, I said, give me your bios and they came back with an email and I, I may have edited them down or polished them up a little bit, but mostly it's just them. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I, it's just it's one of those things that I've always sort of wondered about. So that's actually all the questions from myself and Ridgetop. Did have a couple, um, just a couple from some of the community members. Ridgetop has the first one, but you've already kind of touched on this um, in terms of named characters from the films. But Ridgetop, if you just want to... Yeah, Ultramorph would like to know if we'll be seeing any familiar predators uh, from the comics and novels such as Ahab from Fire and Stone and Life and Death or uh, Kalakta from the Rage Wars? As far as I'm concerned, they're all in there. We just was who. (laughs) So you could read the story and try to figure it out or imagine it for yourself. Uh, Nobody made a deliberate effort to use any of those characters. If they did, they didn't name them. So I would say your answer is probably no, but... You know, for enjoyment's sake, if it makes you happier to pretend one of those characters is in there, knock yourself out. And the last one is from The Alien Predator. He would like to know if any other alien creatures or civilizations uh, that the Predators have interacted with are mentioned in any of the shorts. No, pretty much Predators are the only aliens that show up in this one at this point. Although there is the Colony one, if that counts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I don't think so. Uh, do you, were, were there any that I'd, I'd forgotten about, Aaron? You just read the book. I, d- I didn't I forget about any, right? Uh, no, I don't, I don't. I don't think they were. I don't think you could call them like alien civilizations, but they were the um, the beasts in the. I can't remember the title of the book. Uh, the short. It was. It was the one where they were on an alien uh, colony and they sort of got abandoned by the um, by the company that sent them there. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah. So there's a little. There's kind of uh, a, a civilization of, 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 of creatures that are natives, but it, I, it not necessarily aliens in that strict sense, yeah. Okay. That, that's it from us. That, that's everything. Well, I mean, you know, keep in mind keep in mind when you read that, you know, you can't do everything. And, and all the questions are good questions, and there's all the things you guys want to see. And all this stuff is stuff that I make notes about 
so that if we do another one or if I get to do a novel, I can try to include some of that stuff to make you guys, you know, to give you guys some of that. Because I know what it's like as a fan and a lot of them are great ideas and they'd be fun to explore. It's just a matter of um, all the writers that came in, not not all of them are as big a fans as you are. So they aren't, aren't necessarily on the same wavelength. But as we as we do more stuff, you know, I'm now a member of AVP and I'm, I'm on there interacting with people to the degree that I have time. And so I love hearing that stuff and I will uh, make use of it if I can. Cool. Brilliant. So is there anything that you'd like to say that I just, none of us have given you the opportunity to put across with any of our questions, anything that you want to get off your chest or just put out there? Look, that thing about the hot tub and your mother, that was an accident. (laughs) I swear to God, put the gun down, man. I swear to God, man. I don't, I woke up and they put me in a thong. I don't know where it came from. I swear to God, man. I was totally out of it. No. This is what uh, we were subjected to off the air. This is feel our pain. Yeah. I just, I actually just realized what you were talking about. Uh, uh, Hicks's Skype uh, images, Airsoft. <laughs> oh, is that what you were playing at? No. Yeah. The Skype image with the gun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you guys are really observant, aren't you? Oh, it's, it's, it's been there that long. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a writer. That's why I'm always playing off everything in my environment. Yeah, no, no, no. You know, the only other thing I would say is, look, the book comes out October 17th. If you pre-order it now, you save money, all right? Amazon actually has raised the price a little bit from what it was six months ago when they first posted it. Pre-order. All those, all those sales go on my first week sales. If you want to see more books... Pre-ordering it is the way to go. Even if you want to get it from your local store and have them pre-order it for you and save it for you and pick it up at the store so you can support your local store, you are doing us a big favor to buy it the first week. And I also will tell you that anybody who wants to get a hold of me and wants a signed copy that can't see me at one of the events, and I am going to be hitting 13 to 15 bookstores in the course of October and November, and I'm going to have some other authors going elsewhere. We're going to cover most of the Midwest and the Southwest of the country uh, in one way or another. I will be around. If if you want a book plate and you didn't get a chance to meet me, I can send you a signed book plate and a bookmark for the Predator book. I would be more than happy to do that. Uh, Unless, of course, you're like Aaron and you live in England and it costs me $25 (laughs) to ship one. In which case... I will uh, take a picture of it and send it to you on Skype instead. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no. I'll I'll hook Aaron. I'll hook Aaron up. But you know, I honestly, I would be more than happy to do that. People can send me their books to be signed. I can make arrangements to do that too if they really want to. As long as you pay the postage, I'm more than happy to do it. What I all I can say is, you know, also please review the book on Amazon. The more reviews we get, the faster we get them. BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon. And uh, those are going to sell books because the book becomes more prominent and is seen by more people the more reviews it has. And it gets marketed by Amazon when it gets more reviews. So that's really helpful. Beyond that, I hope you guys will check out some of my other work. I've done a really good anthology called Infinite Stars. It is all the famous space opera military sci-fi guys that I think you would really enjoy that's coming out at the same time. And, you know, I've got my Davi Rebooks. I've also done uh, Monster Hunter Files with with uh, Larry Correa and uh, Joe Ledger Anthology with Jonathan Mayberry that are really cool. I, I hope you guys will check it all out and enjoy it and let, let us know what you think. I want to hear about it and, you know, support the books, and I, we'll, we'll do more stuff. We will do more stuff. So, and anybody who wants 
to come out. I can't officially invite you, but if if you come if you show up in costume to one of my signings, you, I'll more than likely give you some free swag. So <laughs> I'm just letting you know. And uh, where can folk find you online? Okay, well, at, you can find me on uh, net. It's B-R-Y-A-N-T-H-O-M-A-S-S-C-H-M-I-D-T.net. Don't get confused. There are two S's in there back-to-back. That, that, you can find me there. I am Brian Thomas S on Twitter and Brian Thomas S on Facebook. If you go to Facebook.com, Brian Thomas S, you will find my author page. I also have Genre Talk Podcast, which is a podcast that I'm doing with one of the other writers, Peter Wax, where we're interviewing a lot of really cool people, uh, in, in, in fandom and Hollywood actors and writers and all kinds of people that we just launched today. Um, as we record this, by the time this airs, it'll be a month or so later and we'll have four or five episodes out. But there's some really cool people on that. Um, and including a number of my predator authors that'll be talking about their stories. Um, we put up one episode every two weeks. That's at facebook.com genre talk podcast. So those are the main places to find me. I'm very interactive with my fans. I really do enjoy that. So I don't mind it. If you're going to write to me and yell at me, you might not hear from me, but if you're going to, you know, have a nice conversation and politely disagree, I'm more than happy to talk to you. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. I hope everybody's, uh, you know, enjoyed this one. And, uh, of course, you know, any, any feedback, uh, any questions for Brian, uh, feel free to, uh, post them up on, uh, on the forums. I, my pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. And hey, if you guys want to put up some kind of a, a link when this post where people can just ask follow up questions, I can come on there and answer them to their, you know, as, to the end of time. So, you know, if you want to do a post specifically for this podcast when it posts, I'll be, and they want to ask follow up questions, I'll be more than happy to. Just please understand, guys, that there are restrictions on things I could talk about based on what Fox has told me, and I'm not going to give you any spoilers in the book. We won't be able to talk in depth about the stories until the book's been out for about six months, and then I can talk about it. So. Okay, brilliant. So, um, in terms of, in terms of us, you know, uh, make sure you are following us on, on Facebook under Alien vs Predator Galaxy on Twitter we're at AVP Galaxy of course we share in um, pictures most days you know fan art um, behind the scenes stuff production stills and of course any links to our news articles or features and if you just like looking at pretty pictures then we've got an Instagram account which is Alien vs Predator Galaxy this is Corporal Hicks and Ridgetop and Brian Thomas Schmidt get to the chopper <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant